Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name's Thomas. Uh, I'm one of the leaders, along with my wife, Mary, who led uh, the meeting up until this point. It's so great to have you with us this morning. Uh, this is fun, isn't it? Church is fun. What a great time of worship. and uh, It's just good. So much life about the place. So this is the part of the service that we're going to open up God's Word and uh, ask God what He wants to speak to us about. And uh, we have just finished a series on uh, the parables of Jesus. So we've looked through that for, I think, about eight Sundays we've done that. And that was called Keys to the Kingdom. And you can get that online if you want to listen uh, online and catch up. But this morning we're starting a new series uh, called Deeper. And we're going to be looking at the book of 1 John. So just to give you a, a little bit of background before we look at today's passage. Uh, the author of these letters is said to be John. And uh, these letters were unaddressed and they were unsigned. But scholars who have studied this and looked into it say that it was sent from uh, Ephesus to the churches in Asia Minor. Uh, which is modern-day Turkey as we know it. Uh, they were under John's special care, and it was towards the end of the first century around is the kind of time that they put on this. And it's clear that from these letters that the people uh, that it was being written to are being faced with and confronted uh, with a real form of false teaching, uh, which denied, uh, basically denied Jesus being with us in the flesh. Uh, in person. So alongside emphasizing that actually, yes, Jesus was with us. He came fully human. Uh, he also addresses the importance of upright living. So we're going to journey through uh, this book that, and how we live in the day-to-day -day really does matter and uh, what it means to be a Christian in that. So we're going to uh, look at 1 John 1 and uh, the words will be up on the screen, hopefully. I'll continue speaking. Yes, no. Yes. No, I got a thumbs up. I was like, right, well, okay. I, I can pray. And then, hey, there we go. Let's pray before we read from God's word. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that you have brought us into this place deliberately for a reason. And we just open our hearts afresh, Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We treasure it, Lord. You stir a hunger in us, Lord, as we unpack these few verses and ask, what is it you want to speak to me about? Come, Holy Spirit. Will you brood over us? In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which is with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, 
We make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. Amen. I want to focus this morning on this, these words, a couple of words in this passage were the theme of God being light. In the second part of verse 5, John writes, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So we have a real strong positive in this line, God being light. And it's being reinforced by an equally strong negative. There's no darkness. The two are incompatible. And I want to look at what that means for us today to remind us, or it might be for the very first time this morning, uh, to let the goodness and the power of God rest in our hearts. God is light. And if we were to look through the, the whole Bible, light features so much in the Bible. We only need to look at the very first few verses uh, to be acquainted with this theme of light. In uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, in the creation story, it says, And God said, Let there be light. It's the earliest expression of the nature and the will of God at the very beginning of his word. His words and actions together reveal his character. The God who creates begins with light. And from this, everything else grows. Without that light, there's no growth, there's no activity, there's no beauty. Everything, all creation, owes its existence and its continued existence to the God who is light. Jesus, who in John 8 verse 12 says, I am the light of the world. It's a regular symbol throughout the Bible of God's presence. Now, uh, we often speak about church being a safe place. And I have a little bit of a confession to make this morning. Uh, I have an obsession with fairy lights. Does anybody else have an obsession with fairy lights? One or two other people. Let's make a small group, guys. Let's hang out. Let's spend some time together. Uh, unfortunately, I've had a wee look, and there's, there's a, a bit of a lack of support groups for this problem. Uh, I felt like I was battling this alone, but I feel we're in it together now, so it's okay. Of course, I'm, I'm half joking, but I believe that fairy lights can transform any room. I have that. Honestly, it's true. They can transform any room and create an ambiance, I love that word, ambiance that no other lights can do. Honestly, honestly. Uh, we have lights out in our patio. Uh, at our decking when we moved into the house and Mary hates them and I absolutely love them so every time people come in I go come and see this and I run out to the garage and I put the lights on and I say look at that and they go oh, wow I love it and I went Mary they love it too and I just make another little mark it's 7-0 to me Mary these are staying so I love I love uh, I love our fairy lights out in the garden and I, I pray they remain. Every time I come back, after I've been a few hours away, I pray, Lord, keep these fairy lights on the fence. And Christmas, oh, don't get me started on Christmas. Christmas is another level for me. Uh, you often find me with all the other lights in the house off and just the Christmas tree on. TV's off and I'm just staring into the Christmas tree, isn't it? This is great. This is great. This is good rest time for me. And uh, also our living room lights. And for the interest of ambiance, there's that word again, in the evening, uh, maybe you're watching a movie or you're sharing a meal or you just, you just don't want the light on full 
you just, you, I would love a dimmer switch. So for a while in our living room, I was like, I'd love a dimmer switch. And not too confident in changing the electric wiring on it. But then I seen these smart bulbs in, in Amazon. So you know the way Amazon have their Amazon Prime days where stuff's on sale? And these bulbs were like £7. And you can control them from your phone. Now mention anything to do with technology and controlling it from your phone, and I am on it. So I bought a couple of these bulbs. They are incredible. They are great. So I can control the dimmer from my phone. And uh, so when we have people around, I might secretly, you know, turn the light off and they're kind of trying to be polite and going, what on earth is going on here? Or you might shine one light really strong and one off so they're on mastermind. You know, you have that kind of focus light on them. So I have a lot of fun with these lights. And if you're part of our small group on Thursday evenings, you would have especially seen me trying some things out on Thursday evening. How many of us in our houses have dimmers or are used to that? A few of us got dimmers in our houses. So they're good, aren't they? They're, they're good. But what I've realized when I'm packing this passage for me, and I'm sure for a lot of us here this morning, is that we live with dimmers spiritually. They can be a really good gauge as to where we are at currently in our own walks with God. We set the level of light and we shut it out when we want. We are in control. And we often live in that in-between stage of not enough light or not fully light and not fully dark, that kind of that in-between stage. We turn it down on Monday and then we come in on Sunday and we ramp it up, full brightness. We turn it down when we think we can manage or when we're struggling, we look for the light in other things. Or we turn it, turn it down when we're with our friends with work, from work and we turn it back up when we're going to hang out with people from small group. We're afraid of going full power light because of what it will change. And I really think that's a word for a lot of us here, a word for you and a word for me as we kick off this series in 1 John. John is writing this letter to say that we can have no compromise existence with one foot following the light and one foot following the dark. One foot in the boat and one foot in the water. It's impossible. So for us to live a life of depth, to go deeper, to have adventure and purpose in God, we're to remember the light and who God, God, the light of the world, who he is to us and what that changes. And we are to ditch the dimmers. That's the, the title of the talk this morning. And, it's, and I realize it's all very good and well saying this, and, but we need to let it take root in us this morning. These fundamental truths and reminders of who God is so we can live from that in the rest of our week, so that we can see his kingdom come in Inverness as it is in heaven, so that we can see even more people coming to know Jesus, so we can see people from our offices and from our streets sitting alongside us and journeying with us. The Inverness Vineyard Church is a place of hope, a place of new beginnings, a place of supernatural breakthrough. But before all that, we need to see ourselves as individuals that we step into everything that God has for us, that we're unashamed and we're unhindered. So God is a light like no other. And I want to look at three things very quickly this morning, that he is a light that reveals. So firstly, he's a light that reveals. Secondly, that he is a light that revives. And then thirdly, that he is a, a light that radiates. So we've got the classic three points and we've got every point beginning with an R. So easy to remember. Does that sound good? Yeah, good. So a light, he is a light that reveals, firstly. Uh, I often speak and have stories of my DIY 
adventures in the house. And often these DIY adventures are my woes. It's when things go wrong. Uh, but this one is a success. I, I plastered a wall about five, five months ago, six months ago. Yes, I plastered a wall. I got on YouTube and I bought the, the stuff for it, the mix. It was ready-made. I didn't mix it myself. I didn't trust uh, myself to do that. But I bought the ready mix. I bought that, that thing that you flatten the stuff with on the wall. And I also got some of the plaster and I rubbed it on my trousers and my shirt a wee bit in my face. Because you do that, don't you? Just to make sure that Mary thinks I've put in a shift and, you know, I've been really hard at work. And I enter into character. I put some music on. I had the windows wide open. And I managed to do it. And I thought when I finished, that's a good job. I said, Mary, come and look. This is, this is good, isn't it? But, but, then I noticed all wasn't well. Because on an extremely sunny day, when it, through the, uh, the windows of the house, when the sun shines at a particular angle, you can see all the little nicks and all the little bits have missed or maybe not smoothed out quite right. There's one or two little bits that are cracked. There's a little bit of mist. So when it's really, really sunny, I'm like trying to divert the blinds, make sure the light goes at a different angle so I don't focus on it. I kind of divert my attention away from it. So I make sure that, that it can't be seen. And I perfected my blind tilting technique to make sure that happens. But how true is that of sin? God's light illuminates the things which aren't great or the hidden. Don't even start behind the couch. You know, I, I, I purposely avoided that. But I thought, the couch is going to be there. I don't need to worry about that. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> don't, we'll never get a new couch. We'll never, we'll never move it. But how often do we do that with sin? We divert, we have techniques to divert away the light or shut off the light, to justify, to avoid, to manage, to make it go away, to forget. It's really important to note that God being light is also a picture of God's holiness. His perfect moral righteousness, that in God there is no wrong. That this light scatters all our darkness. That this light reveals the reality, the cracks, the impurities. It exposes what the darkness would try to hide. It may be that little conversation about that other person which wasn't great. It may be that constant trip up, struggle late at night that nobody else knows about. It may be that bottle of wine that happens just too much through the week. It may be that thing that we have done years ago that still shapes and cripples our decisions today. It may be that selfish mindset that we don't see others need. It may be that sharp word to our spouse or our children or our friends. We divert. Our prayer would be this morning that we would be a people that allow God in by His light this morning, by His Spirit to reveal and I, that's tough. That can be tough. And that can be messy to uproot. But just maybe today is the day that that weight is lifted. Just maybe today is the day that that chain is broken. Maybe right now as I'm speaking about that, you can picture in your mind's eye what exactly that is. And it's so important to remember why. Why God is revealing that. You know what the great thing I've got about God is? 
that when his light by his spirit reveals and shines on a part of our lives which isn't great, it isn't to make us feel any more shame. It isn't to weigh us down anymore. It isn't so we have to journey it the rest of our lives. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. That's why Jesus came. That's why his light reveals his love. He loves us so much. He is light and he is love. It's that he first loved us. He loves us all this morning so, so much. We are treasured in his eyes this morning. He loves us so much that he reveals in our hearts what is rotting. He reveals in our hearts what it is that's polluting so that we don't have to carry it. So that we don't have to carry it. He had Jesus carry all that at the cross. God doesn't need us this morning to carry it anymore. And it's important when God reveals that by his light, what it is in our hearts that isn't great, that we don't reject it, we don't shut it out. You're maybe sitting here this morning and maybe we're thinking, oh, I'm too far gone. Maybe you think that part of your life is too dark. It's like when you have a huge boulder in your garden and we do this a lot because we're two little boys of three, of three and one and we find a big boulder and you know the way you lift up a big boulder and you see everything that lives underneath it and you see all the bugs and what happens when the light hits it? They all scurry, don't they? They all, ah, what's going on? It's a bit like that. We're used, uh, they panic, they scurry, they don't know what way to run. We're used to having that part hidden under the boulder. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, I pray that you will reveal in our hearts what it is that's holding us back. That you will turn over the boulder and show us which parts of us are living in darkness. And we want to declare and say, no more right now holy spirit we want to declare your power over the addiction over self-worth over jealousy over insecurity over greed over pride any walls that we have built up holy spirit will you break it right now in your name in your power right now come lord come lord we pray freedom in this place we pray that this is a significant morning lord let's just wait for a little while going to have an opportunity at the end of the service as well we'd love you to uh, just receive prayer and pray with someone uh, that'd be so great so it's a light he's a light that reveals secondly he's a light that revives and i'm going to revive my voice quickly so our second are a light that revives when we moved to inverness uh, as part of the vineyard the vineyard is a movement of about 120 churches uh, in the UK 
and we are part of that movement and you can read a bit more about that in our welcome bags as well but we got given a coach so this person from another part in the UK that just cheers us on that we go on to Skype individually and they ask us how we're doing and she is an amazing incredible lady who speaks into our lives and there's a great prayer support for us as well and she done the most lovely thing when we moved into our house over at home uh, at home mains we have a, a front garden and she sent she wanted to buy us a plant and uh, because this is a church plant, I seen what she done. I was like, that's a great idea, church plant. We plant something uh, to mark the moment, to celebrate uh, what God is doing and what God is yet to do. So we headed off to Simpsons and we had a little debate as to what we we're going to buy. And we ended up with a plum tree and we bought a plum tree. So me and Joshua went out in the garden and we dug the ground and we planted this tree. And I was looking at the recipes for plum pie a little bit too early because having Googled how long a plum tree takes to get fruit, it's about two years. And you were genuinely gutted, weren't you? You were like, two years, two years. You were buying all the ingredients. And, uh, and I don't have a good record with plants, so we'll see how we get on in two years' time. Uh, but just to get back to the theme of Christmas, our first Christmas in the house, we got a real Christmas tree. And uh, we decided to plant it at the end of Christmas at the side of the house, uh, which isn't going too well, if I'm being honest. Uh, so Christmas will be over very quickly this year, I think, and it might be chicken nuggets instead of chicken dinner, uh, or turkey dinner, sorry, as we have our dinner. But I still harbor hope where I can see any glimmer of life in this Christmas tree. I'm holding on to it. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So I'm Googling, I'm Googling, how do we, how do we revive a potted Christmas tree in the garden? Uh, and whilst picturing, I'm picturing the star being placed on and it being back full of life. So every single article that I looked at, and I genuinely did Google, how do we revive this tree? Uh, every single article, it says the ideal position. You've got to think of the position of where you got the tree in the garden. It's got to be in the light. You've got to have maximum sunlight. The light will sustain it. The light will revive it. Where there's bits that are, that are just dead. You'll see the green reappear. You know, our tree was hidden at the side of the house. Where it's a bit colder. Where a bit less sun gets in. It's hidden. And a simple uprooting and putting it into where the light is brings hope. And Christmas 2018 will be glorious when we bring that tree back into the living room in all its fullness. Let's be clear this morning, if Jesus, light of the world, can revive people from the dead, such as Lazarus, he is into reviving you and reviving me in the parts of our lives which are spiritually dead this morning. We see time and time again Jesus encounters people in the New Testament and reviving moments take place. When they encounter him, something supernatural happens. Light shines and life increases. Purpose increases. We see an encounter with a demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 20. And if you were to go into your Bibles and read that later on, the very title of that collection of verses is Jesus Restores. He restores a demon-possessed man. An incredible restoration moment where the people who saw this man in torment and in darkness was now dressed on a sound mind. In verse 15, it says that. And then we have also Jesus and the paralyzed man in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, where we see Jesus not only restore the man physically, 
but spiritually reviving and forgiving him of his sin, which Jesus could see on his face, the pain, that he was wearing it clearly. And to keep the light analogy going strong this morning, maybe we feel this morning as we've come into church that we're a little bit of a flicker this morning. It's kind of turning on and off. You know when a bulb is on the way out and you go, we need to change that. We need to to head to Tesco and get a new bulb. Maybe we feel like that a lot of the time just now. We feel we've got a limited shelf life. We feel a little bit used and done in. We feel a little bit too old or too hurt or too young or too busy or too new a Christian or too inexperienced or too insecure or too ill. I believe that Jesus wants to revive and breathe revival into our hearts this morning by his spirit. So just as I want to replant and revive our wonderful Christmas tree, just maybe the Holy Spirit this morning on the 26th of August is prompting a replanting for one or two of us. He's asking us to reposition our approach on how we're living. And he is calling out that part of our lives that is withered. Or maybe this morning it's our whole lives. Maybe it's just a case of going down in tools and go, Lord, I surrender afresh. Here I am. Here I am. To come to Jesus, to fall at his feet. You know, we haven't mentioned, but our vision as a church uh, is that we are a people, we are a place where people come alive. And uh, we felt God speaking specifically to us about the passage in Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. And I just want to read a couple of verses from that. It says this in verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Our God is a God that revives. And then just finally, as we bring things to a close, our God is a God whose light radiates. When we read that God is light, we read of a light that radiates. I I bought a torch from the middle shelves in Aldi. Does anybody else love going down the middle shelves in Aldi? It is Aladdin's cave, isn't it? You know, I go out and and go for some apples and bread and I come back with, I don't know, like a ski, skis and just the most random things. But they were half price, Manny. Well, a couple of years ago, I bought a torch from Aldi and it's, it's the best torch I have ever had. It was like 7.99, and it is so strong. And any gadget that I get, I have to get it tested right away. So that evening, as it went dark, I went out with my torch, and you know what? You know it's so strong on its strongest set. And you know what it reminded me of? You know the Batman films when they put the light, the Batman light, out into the sky, and you can actually visibly see the trail of light on the torch. So I'm just sitting out for half an hour, but two minutes, Mary, just pretending I'm Batman and and playing with this torch. But does anybody, uh, when they have a torch, and I used to do this as a kid, does anybody, when they have a torch, put it under their hand? You know, and you see it shining through the skin. Does anybody remember that? And you see that red shining through 
and it just it glows, doesn't it? And you walk about and you try it under your arm and you try it through your face and you just see how many bits it can glow. Yeah, we'll stop there. And uh, yes, where am I going with that? I never tire of doing that. But when I think of what it's like to be walking in the light, I think of that very picture. When I thought of God being a light that radiates, I thought of myself as a little boy with that torch who shines it through his hand and sees that glow. When we have the light of God in us, we glow. We radiate something of God's love for people everywhere we go. And often, let's not over-spiritualize, it's not in the super holy moments. People notice something different. It's not in those moments. I remember before... Uh, we came here and before I worked as a youth pastor, I worked in a bank, I worked for Santander and I was a, a mortgage advisor. And I remember in the very first couple of months, two different staff coming up to me and going, there's something different about you. There's something different. You have a, and one of them specifically said, there's a warmth that I can't explain. And I haven't had it since. And that was like eight years ago. So <laughs> something needs to change. I'll be right at the back for prayer bit awkward. But this is a light that radiates. This is a light that radiates so that we can share the love of God with other people. God's heart is for the people of this world to live with him in eternity. And we are called to love. We are called to love. Everyone that is put in front of us, we are called to love. At work, at school, the street, the shops, the the school gate, the church, at church, at home, we are called to love them unconditionally. We are called to love them when they don't deserve it. We are called to radiate that love when everyone else gives up. We are called to radiate that love when everyone else says no. To love them when they let you down. To love them when you don't know them well. To love them when you don't have time. To love them when everyone, everything else is shouting within you, now is not a good time. To love them when it's shouting within you, this is the last thing I need. I believe that's a little bit of the kind of light that God is. And I believe that's a little bit of what he wants us to do. And that radiates within us when we walk in it. To share a tiny bit of his heart for the world. God's heart is breaking for Inverness. Make no mistake. And he asks us, little old us, to join in, to walk in the light and to love the folk of this city. That's what will bring people to him. They will see the glow and we just get to tell them where it comes from. A light that reveals, a light that revives, and a light that radiates. I just want to read, after one of Jesus' most powerful sermons, the sermon uh, on the mount in Matthew 5 verse 14 to 16 Jesus says these few words you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way and this is our call Inverness Vineyard Church, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let's ditch the dimmers this morning. Why don't we stand? <laughs>